I pray that this little sharing this morning will be an inspiration to us that uh, even though things don't go our way, we know for a fact that there is, the, there is one behind the scene who's still in control. Can you say amen? amen. That even the saddest situation is actually setting up to see a clear picture of who God is. So friends, uh, I know that we have prayed a while ago, but I'll ask once again, only for those who are able, for those who have food in your lap, stay where you're at. But let's, let's kneel down for the prayer. Let us pray. Our great God, our dear loving Heavenly Father, Lord, I praise and I thank you that we could come to you. There's no limit, Lord, on how often we could come to you. And there's no limit on how near we could draw to you. Dear Father, we praise you and we thank you that you are the one who's drawing us. It is not even our desire to come to you, but Lord, we praise and we thank you that for this past two days, you have shown us who you are. But Lord, we desire more of you. And Lord, I ask in a very special way that as we begin this, this afternoon's talk, may we never forget the beautiful promise that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there you are in the midst of us. Lord, we know that you are here. We know that our angels are here. So, Lord, I pray that may you fill us with your spirit. For we ask all this in the loving and precious name of your son, Jesus. All your children say, Amen. Amen. So, friends, when people ask me about my name and they hear the name Jem, the first reaction was, oh, you are really a Jem. You are, that's really a special, special name. Some people say amen, but actually, you know what? I did not think at first that it was special. You know why? I'll give you the history. We are siblings of six. I'm the sixth. I'm the youngest. And then again, people will think, oh, you're the youngest. You're the spoiled brat. And oh, actually, opposite of being a spoiled brat. Friends, our family, our parents were planning for four kids. I'm the sixth. And they tell me, so you're the oops baby. I said, no, 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 I'm the oops baby. The fifth one was the oops baby. I'm the oops, we did it again. So from the very beginning, friends, I did not feel really that I was, I was special. I did not feel that I was part of the plan. And even the name Jem, the sequence of our, of our siblings, it's boy, girl, boy, girl, boy. So they're expecting a girl. My name was supposed to be Gemini. But my mom was too tired of looking for another name. So she just got half of my name. That's why it's called Gem. So when people say, that's so special. I said, no, no, no. You just don't know the background of it. And friends, at first, I was, even my name did not really speak to me. It was not, it was not so precious in my sight. I look at my friends. One of my biggest insecurities is when I look at my pad paper, when I, when I write my name, there's a lot of blank space. I envy my friends who has like two or three names. And why is my name only three letters and that short? Friends, I did not realize that, uh, that God was setting something up. Friends, a little background about, uh, about my mom. My mom, she's converted to the church. She has a rough background. She's the eldest of seven, and, uh, and her parents were, 
were having a lot of vices in their lives. And she, when she got converted to the church, friends, she brought her, her siblings. Some of her siblings joined. And every person who comes to our house, she has this burden to give them the Bible study. Friends, my mom was a tiger mom. And I remember when kids, when kids back home, when they scare one another, they don't shout the police or a ghost. They, they shout my mom's name and the kids, are, the kids are screaming back home. She might be feared, but she's also respected by the people around us. Because every time they needed something, they knock at my mom's door. And my mom always helps out. If she will not be able to help out herself, she'll rally the neighbors. For example, there's someone who's sick, and the person is about to die, said, you will contribute when this person dies, contribute right now while the, the person is still alive. So, friends, that's, that's a picture of my mom. And my mom has a tough and a rough upbringing. So her language of love is not a sweet type of love, like, hey, I love you. No, I have not heard my mom said, I love you. She shows her love through the services that she gives. That's her, that's her love language. So she will work hard so that her kids will go to school. Friends, all of us went to school except one. It was his choice because he was already involved in the business. And seeing how our mom worked, my dear friends, I have nothing to complain. So that's one thing I'd like to establish right now as I share my testimony. I love my mom and I would not be here right now. I would not be a missionary if not for the influence of my mom. She's not perfect. She did not finish school, but she raised me. She raised us, and she even raised our church in the best way that she thinks she could. And uh, I remember a little background, friends. When, when she was on fire, when she was on fire for the Lord, she would go to our neighbors. And our neighbors, remember, they, they kind of respect and fear her. They will play like, like this mahjong. I don't know if you're familiar. This is like a... Chinese gambling type of thing. And my mother will bring her Bible and will place the Bible on the table and say, Stop this nonsense. Let's talk about your salvation. <laughs> and friends, you know what? Of course, the people will not say otherwise. They will listen. And after the Bible study, she'll ask, Did you like it? Said, Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm, com- I'm coming back next day. Friends, next day, no one shows up. You know what she does? She goes to their house. <laughs> knock on their doors and said open up I know you're here all your slippers are outside <laughs> she'll, they'll not open she'll go to the back door said show yourselves <laughs> she will look under the, under the beds inside the closet and the people who got whom she has raided will tell me this later on one of them said, Jem, I'll wrap myself in the, in the mat, like, we call that banig. And then they'll wrap themselves. <laughs> and my mom will go and push everything they could not hide from my mom. Yeah. Friends, that family became the first, the first convert of our church. So that's my mother's background. But one thing that I've noticed growing up is that I did not have special attention from my mom. And growing up, when you're a kid, birthdays are very important, isn't it? Friends, like three to four birthdays of mine have been forgotten. Oh. (laughs) 
and it breaks my little heart. It breaks my little heart like they will not remember my birthday because my birthday December 13, my dad's birthday December 16, my mom's birthday December 18. They will remember my birthday when it's my dad's birthday. So many times they forgot about it and I will just be like being emotional in the corner. <laughs> and friends, even graduation, my high school graduation, my mom did not show up. My mom did not show up and I was wondering at first why. And I, I guess the Lord somehow blocked my memories of my past hurts before. Friends, at the age of seven, at the age of seven, remember, we are siblings of six. And we have like cousins living with us, like four cousins. And there are some times that they'll be missing, missing stuff inside the house, especially money. And, and they will ask for people who took it. I'm the smallest in the house. And they'll ask me, did you take it? And I said, no. Be honest, did you take it? At the age of seven, I said, no. I said, but why do you look guilty? I said, no, it wasn't me. And the more, the more they come at me, the more I get afraid. And the more I shake, the more I look guilty. And friends, at that early age, I was pressured to admit something that I did not do. And then, you know, back home, there's no, there's no rights of a child during my time. We, we do not spare the belt. We do not spare the rod. And I will receive beatings. I will receive, like, really painful beatings from the belt. And I, it will not stop until my statement will change. At an early age, I was trained to lie. So I said to them, okay, okay, I took it. And they said, so what, what did you do with the money? At an early age, I would somehow be pressured to create something. To somehow make up something. So friends, I will make up a story. And then the beating will stop. And, and I will be shaking for the next 30 minutes. Traumatized. And the worst thing is, I don't have a room of my own. And the rooms back home does not have doors except my sister's rooms. And I will be there, and most of the time, I will, I will keep it to myself. So every time something disappears back home, I will begin to shake. Because I know it will happen again. So friends, this happened for the next two, three years. Every time something happens, something is missing, they will all look at me, and they'll see, it's him. So friends, one particular time, at an early age, I begin to realize, I got all the beatings, but not the benefit. So why not take something? At least if you got caught, they had the reason to beat you up. So that happened. And it became a habit for me at an early age to take something just to compensate the pain that I have gone through. And friends, I did not know that at an early age, I was, I was too young to even realize that I was already hurting. I was already hurting. And friends, at one point, I think two years with these things going on, I was playing games with our neighbor and I saw a hundred pesos. This, in the, this was in the 1980s on the shelf. I took the hundred pesos, friends. Hundred pesos is like two dollars. But during that time, it's like $20. So friends, I took it, 
And friends, my needs are too small. I'm a small little boy. I did not need that hundred pesos, but it has become a habit. So you know what I did? When I went to school, I became the richest boy in the school. I bought my friends soda, crackers, chips. Of course, I was found out later on that I was the one who took it because suddenly I became a rich kid. And friends, you know what's a sad thing? I tell you that my mom is the one who started our church. So Friday night, when I got found out, my mom was speaking in our church, and our church was packed. It's a small church, but it was packed, overflowing. Before my mom started the message, uh, no, after my mom shared the message, she said something that really devastated me. In front of the people, she cried. She said, I just want to tell you that I am so ashamed of what my son has done. My son is a thief. Stand up. She asked me to stand up. Friends, my best friend during the time, who's, who's in the fourth grade, I'm the third grade, third grade, friends, nine years old, my, my best friend broke down. I said, how could your mom do that? And friends, you know what? All the while I thought that all those things, I deserve it because I deserve that, that I got caught. And friends, it went on, it even got worse. And I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to, to give a negative note on your, on your lunch right now. I hope that you have a good appetite. Eat on, friends, eat on. So that, at that early age, that has been instilled in my mind that I was her shame. That she was ashamed of me. And later on, it went back. That's the reason why, that's the reason why my birthdays were forgotten. That's the reason why she was not there during my graduation. And every time something that I want to buy for myself, I have to work hard for it. And I begin to, to see all this unfair treatments. And one particular time, one of my siblings lost her wallet. And of course, who took it? It's Jam who took it. But this time, friends, honestly, it wasn't me. And all my lies will not be sufficient because you have to produce the item. And I got beaten so bad, they even hanged me upside down. Friends, because they thought it was me. Because they are wanting to correct me. They are wanting to somehow straighten me up. And friends, the beating was so bad. The beating was so bad, I could not even remember if it's a foot or if it's a hand, if it's a hanger, if it's a belt, it's a wire. They want me to say something that would somehow produce the wallet. I could not produce the wallet this time. And since, and praise God, they got tired, they let go. And they put me inside a cabinet put me inside and I was there just crying and weeping and then a couple of days later they found a wallet everything was there everything was there and the moment that got found out my mom came to me together with my sister and they said I'm sorry for what we have done and for the first time friends I did not cry my heart was hardened my heart was hardened and I told them, you just don't know how many beatings I have received that I did not do the things that you have accused me of. From that time, 
the beating stopped. Amen. The beating stopped. And I praise God. Amen. And friends, you know what? One thing that I realized, if I could not blame this on my mom. I could not blame this on my father. I could not blame this on my brothers and my sisters. The only person that I could blame this was the enemy of souls. He created all those things. You know what? When I look back right now, He set this all up to take away my joy. He set this all up so that I will have a different perspective of who our God is. He wants to destroy the image of God in me at that early age. My dear friends, God is good, isn't He? God is good, even though things are not good, but God is still good. Can you say amen? Amen. Friends, you know what happened? God is so amazing that He draw me closer to Him through the ministry. And even with the ministry in the church, I was not fully sold out, but I know that I'm good at it, so I became active. And I became active, and I begin to see a clearer picture of Him. And I begin to fall in love with Jesus. This was before prayer ministry, friends. I began to fall in love with Jesus. And now, I was the leader of our conference youth back in my, in my hometown. And I'm leading more than 10,000 young people. And you know what? The trauma happened again. I was, not, I was not beaten like my mom, but somehow there was a confusion in our conference that my name, because I'm the leader, my name was put to shame. My main name went up to the division and now it's, it was hurting me even more because now, Lord, I'm giving my heart to you and this is what I get. So I was planning to leave the church. I was planning to drop everything and I even point my finger to the Lord saying, this is what you do to a life that is lived for you. Wow, friends. So I was so much in pain, but I did not realize that God is setting me up for something. Before, I was trusting so much in my own capabilities. I was trusting so much in my personality. And just imagine, friends, just imagine, isn't this a miracle that I have this, this smile right now, that I have this joyful attitude, even with all those trauma? My friend, my psychologist friend said, you know what, Jen? It is a miracle that you are like that. Because what you have gone through, that is, just like, that is just like setting up someone to be a serial killer. That's what she said. She said, you know what? We are all a living miracle. Can you say amen to that? So you know what happened, friends? When all those things happened, especially the second trauma happened, I was really heartbroken. And all the while, I thought that the ministry was over. All the while, I thought that God has abandoned me. I did not even realize that God was opening a bigger door. A friend of mine invited me to be part of the prayer ministry. And I'm thinking, man, I don't like prayer. For me, prayer is very passive. It doesn't accomplish much. I'm the kind of guy, I'm like the energizing banner type, bunny type of guy. I have to do, I have to sweat, I have to bleed to accomplish things. Praying for me was a waste of time. Uh, friends, this, this lady, on the first day, I told you about her, Melissa. She was just like beaming with smile, telling people of what, what happens inside the prayer room. People who do not want to be in the prayer room stayed in the prayer room for like three hours that day. The next day, those people stayed for eight hours. I'm thinking, what am I going to say to the Lord for eight hours? <laughs> so friends, she invited me in. 
and there's just me and my niece. And the three of us came together and we started praying. And this is during the time that I was broken hearted with God. And friends, I was kneeling down and we were, she was leading out. And, and I was thinking, I don't even know how to pray. For the last six months, I have not uttered a prayer. For the last six months, all I could think was anger towards God. So I was kneeling down, friends, and now she began praising God. And while she was praising God, her prayers remind me of the things that I need to be thankful and grateful for. And I started, started praising God. At first, it was a forced one, just so that you have something to pray. But a second prayer that I uttered, I broke down. I broke down to the point of I could not even pray anymore. It was just like tears flowing and I realized, friends, that the enemy has put a wall between me and God. And I put a wall between me and people. And I, at that point, friends, while I was there on my knees, I realized there are so many walls that the Lord, uh, the enemy has put between us and God, between us and each other. And I'm thinking, if God's institutions will come together and humble ourselves before God, this walls will be broken. Can you say amen? amen? If churches will spend more time on our knees, this walls will be broken. And you know what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit will be poured out. And the work that we could not do among ourselves will be finished. Friends, I found healing in the presence of God. And now when I look back, why all those things were happening? It was the enemy who's trying to draw me away from Jesus. Because he knew for a fact that God has a plan for me. Amen. He might not be able to see it. But you know what? I read in Roger Morneau's book that people that God has anointed have been multiple angels surrounding them. Amen. I don't know how many angels are surrounding me. I don't know what, how many angels are surrounding you. But if you're going through a trauma right now, my dear friends, it means to say that God has a special calling for you. Can you say amen to that? Amen. The enemy will not spend much of his time on something that is just mud. He will spend time bothering those who are diamonds in the rough. So friends, you know what? That trauma, because of that, I'm now in the prayer ministry. The moment I experienced that joy in the prayer room, friends, I could not keep it to myself. I was tempted. I was tempted to gather all the people who attended the conference during that time. There's like a faith camp. And, and me, if you have noticed, I'm not, I'm not a typical shy Filipino. I'm a shameless Filipino. So I, I went from, from, from seat to seat and said, Hey, have you gone to the prayer room? I said, no. So what is the prayer? You have to go. I could not explain. You just have to go. Friends, I pulled people in. I was even tempted to do this in the door. Like, you could not get out of this room unless you go to the prayer room. And friends, you know what? Sure enough, what I've experienced in the prayer room, people experience it during that time. And friends, that fire has never been put out. It has been almost 12 years. Isn't God amazing? God is amazing. And you know what's one thing beautiful? The more I humble myself before the presence of God, the more I see His beautiful character that the enemy wanted to erase before my very eyes. 
The beautiful character of God that we've been talking about night after night for the past two days, that's the character that He wants to obliterate before my very eyes. And even all those bad experiences that I have experienced, friends, they happen for a beautiful reason. Listen to this, friends. Ministry of Healing says, In the future life, the mysteries that here have annoyed and disappointed us will be made plain. We shall see that our seemingly unanswered prayers and disappointed hopes have been among our greatest blessings. Isn't that beautiful? Friends, when I look back now in my life, I would not erase one thing. I would not change one thing, only one. You know what's, what's that? My attitude towards trials. It's my mindset towards trials. I should have been more submissive. I should have been more humble. Friends, when a prayer ministry began, I begin to see my value in God's sight. I begin to see the joy (laughs) in serving Him. I begin to see the joy in His presence. The joy that could never be put out. And friends, I don't know about you if I, if you have heard, you have heard this about, about the parable of the merchant man who saw this land and he bought it because he knew that there's so much treasure in there. Matthew 13 verses 45 and 46. Remember the merchant man is us and, and what he found, the pearl of great price is heaven, is Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Amen. But friends, get this. That parable has a double significance. What? Double Double significance. Listen to this. This is from the book that I may know him. It says here, Christ left the world's unfallen, the society of holy angels in the universe of heaven. He could not be satisfied while humanity was alienated from him. The heavenly merchant man, this is in capital letter, so heavenly merchant man is not, is not you, is not me, it's a Jesus, it is Jesus. The heavenly merchant man lays aside his royal robe and crown. Though the prince of commander, the prince and commander of all heaven, he takes upon him the garb of humanity and comes to a world that is marred and seared with a curse to seek for the one lost pearl. Amen. Who is the pearl? Who? Put your name there. Who is the pearl? Oh, don't hold it back. Who is the pearl? Oh, praise the Lord. Jam is the pearl. Ruth is the pearl. Jai is the pearl. Isn't this amazing? He left everything thinking that we have surrendered everything to get him. Friends, he left everything to get you to get me and says here to seek for the one lost pearl to seek for the fallen man through disobedience he finds his pearl buried in rubbish selfishness encrusts the human heart and it is bound by the tyranny of satan but he lifts the soul out of darkness to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light isn't this beautiful friends and listen to this 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 is really really mind-blowing for me Hearts that have been the battleground of the conflict with Satan. You hear this? Hearts that have been the battleground of the conflict with Satan. Whose heart is this? That's my heart. 
That is our hearts, isn't it? But why I don't see hands? Let's admit, friends, this is our hearts. Listen, friends. Hearts that have been the battleground of the conflict with Satan and that have been rescued by the power of love are more precious to the Redeemer than are those who have never fallen. Can we say wow all together? Wow. Are more precious to the Redeemer than are those who have never fallen. Amen. Friends, that rescued heart, you, your heart, my heart, is so precious to the Redeemer. Amen. And the moment we see who He truly is, and the moment we respond, that beautiful invitation. This is what happens. He would inspire the most sinful, the most debased with hope. He says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. When a soul finds the Savior, the Savior rejoices as the merchant man who has found his goodly pearl. When we found a Savior, my dear friends, there is a celebration in heaven. If you want heaven to be a noisy place, Organized noise, come to Jesus. There will be celebration in heaven. Oh, friends, the Lord is disappointed when His people place a low estimate upon themselves. He desires His chosen heritage to value themselves according to the price He has paid upon them. What is your price, friends? The life of His Son. That is your price. God wanted them or else He would not have sent His Son on such an expensive errand to redeem them. He has a use for them. Can you say amen? amen. He has a use for us, friends. And He is well pleased when they make the very highest demands upon Him that they may glorify His name. They may expect large things if they have faith in His promises. Amen. They may expect large things if they have faith in His promises. Friends, you see the tactic of the enemy? He wants you not to see the real character of your God. He wants you to doubt the character of your God. And the trauma that we experience somehow gives us a wrong picture of who God is. But friends, let us know God not based on our trauma. Let us know Him through His Word. Let us know Him, friends, to the wonderful experiences that God has given us. And I would encourage you, do not hold back what God has done. Do not hold back how the Lord brought you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Because there are people who need to know. There are people who need to hear of who this God is. Friends, you know what? You know what my relationship with my mom had become? Before she passed away, when I graduated college, we had a, one on, a heart-to-heart talk because one of my brothers passed away. The fifth one, the one that she loves. And every time she wants to buy something, she buys this for my brother without my brother even working hard for it. And I'm the one who's really working hard for it and I don't get it. And I told her, Mom, you're so unfair. And then she told me later on when my brother passed away, what if I did not do to your brother what I was doing before I would not be able to sleep knowing right now that he passed away and I asked my mom what if it was me who passed away would you ever forgive yourself friends we me and my mama had an open conversation starting that 
And later on, you know what? God transformed our relationship into the most beautiful one. We begin to be so close to one another. And every time, every time I come home, I had a room during the time. My mom would go to my room. And she will unload all her, her discontent with my siblings. <laughs> with the people around her. And she will pour out her heart. And friends, when, my, when I went to, to the U.S., my greatest fear is that my mom would not be able to handle it. Because if I'll be gone for like two weeks, my mom finally had dementia. But there's one thing that she not, doesn't forget. It's me. Amen. Isn't it amazing? She doesn't forget me. At one point, she forgot my dad. <laughs> yeah. Who are you? I told her, that's your ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and friends, it was amazing how the Lord transformed our relationship. And there was one time that, uh, that I was asking, Lord, how will my mom go through this? Go through this without, without me? And the Lord somehow almost erased her memory before I left. And I was just like, Lord, thank you. I know it's painful, but it's, it's a protection for her. And when I came back, friends, it seems like the mo- my mom doesn't recognize anyone anymore. So there was one time I sat down. I sat down in a couch with her, and I put my arm around her. And you know what? My mom put her hand on my knee and, become, and began rubbing it with her thumb. And you know what? That's what she always does. Amen. And I'm thinking, she remembers me. Friends, when my father passed away, I was on a mission trip. I was about to go to a mission trip, and I was tempted to go back home. But somehow the Lord convicted me to go. It was difficult for me because my cousin told me, Jem, your mom is not talking to anyone. He'll, she'll only talk to you. Please come home. And friends, I did not come home. You know why? Because the Lord convicted me that He could comfort my mom better than my presence could. So I went ahead and went to the mission. And friends, you know what? The last few days of my mom, she told me. The last words that I remembered hearing from her, she said, I am so proud of what God has done through you. And when I look back, I realize I am not her shame anymore. I am not her shame anymore. Friends, it's amazing how the Lord could transform all of this. We have an amazing God. We have a beautiful God. Remember, it's the enemy of souls who's trying to obliterate the beautiful picture of Jesus in your life, in your heart. Do not give in to Him. And there are people around us who has a, who has a wrong picture of God. May our lives be a contradiction to what the enemy is trying to prove. For we serve an amazing God. Amen. For we serve a loving God. Amen. A God who could heal Amen. even the severest trauma. Yes. Nothing is too hard for Him. Amen. Can you say Amen? Amen. Friends, as we close this, this afternoon, let us I know you are you are scattered from where you, you're sitting at. But let's just praise God for who He is. Can you say amen? amen? Let's just spend two minutes or two minutes and a half just thanking God. Just 
one line, one sentence, two sentence. And if you agree with your brother's or your sister's prayer, just say the word Amen. Can you say Amen? amen. And for those of you who could come near, come near. Let's, let's spend this time in His presence. Oh dear Father, Lord, I'd like to begin this season of praise and thanksgiving for thanking you, O oh Lord, that you are the God who could turn into a garbage, into a gold. Amen. And thank you, dear Father, that in our darkest times, we were never alone. Amen. You were there with us. And we were curled up crying. You're there with us. We don't even sense you because we are too focused in our pain. But dear Father, you never left us nor forsake us. And Lord, I pray that as we go on with life, help us, Lord, to bring those light to others. Amen. Help us, Lord, to prove that the God that we serve in is an awesome God. Amen. The God that we serve is alive. Yes. And He loves us more than He loves Himself. Yes. So Lord, we just give you back all the praises, the glory and the honor. Thank you, Lord, for, for dying on the cross for us. Amen. And thank you that when we see you in heaven, all the things that we have gone through is nothing in comparison to what you have gone through for us. Amen. Oh Lord, we love you so much. And thank you for loving us. Even at times, Lord, that we turn our backs upon you. Thank you for not giving up on us. Amen. We give you back all the praises, the glory and the honor, for you deserve it all. Amen. We pray this in the loving and precious name of your son Jesus. All your children say, Amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.